Hello, friends. This is Michael from Hannigan Media, and I am in the courtroom of Henderson County Judge Wade McKinney. I say courtroom, but I should say big COVID office. Command center. Command center with the big <laughs> TV screen hooked up to a 100-year-old laptop. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. All right. Only the best. All right. So uh, it is uh, two days before Christmas. This is our last podcast of 2020. Thankfully, 2020 is going to be in the rearview mirror. But before it went, it had one last parting shot for Henderson County. Um, uh, we thought we were going to get to do a fun, let's have a blast podcast, but we have, uh, two really important news items to discuss today. Number one being, um, Henderson County getting hit with COVID-19 restrictions, uh, because of the, uh, hospitalizations and number two, a boundary war. That's right. This is Texas. That's Where right. else? We got to have boundary wars between Henderson County and Kaufman County that's heating up. But let's start with COVID. Judge, we hit day seven. We did. And, you know, you and I have watched this for so long now. We've, we've seen ourselves get up, I think, once before to five days uh, where you were consistently above 15% of hospitalizations for COVID-19. And then we would pull out one and break that chain, but we weren't able to, to do that this time. And um, it has put us in a position with the Governor's order GA32 that um, we have to roll some things back. You know, the um, bars in the county are now required to close, but uh, I believe there are only three that had not converted. And um, those other businesses that um, deal with indoor patrons, um, previously they will have to move from 75% occupancy down to 50%. And the biggest um, impact there is going to be restaurants. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, no matter what the arguments are about this business, that business, it boils down to is that the governor's executive order of G32 requires these steps to take place. All right. And so uh, we reported this. Um, well, actually, the it, Monday mm-hmm. is, was the day that was day seven. Right. So Tuesday is the day that everything rolled out. We are now recording this Wednesday. Right. Morning. So just yesterday, this all rolled out, uh, and I did the reporting, and it became clear to me that there are still people who are really confused about the idea of the hospitalizations and TSAs. Right. So would you explain uh, again about the trauma service areas and what we're talking about when we say uh, high hospitalizations? Well, when we're talking trauma service areas, these are areas designated by the state to be to design to lay out health coverage, specifically when you're talking about emergency care. And our trauma service area is called TSAG. It also mirrors the Piney Woods Rack, which is a part of the TDEM system. So it goes by many names, but when you're dealing with hospitals, it's called a trauma service area. And there are 22 of those in the state. They range in size. They range, they are as varying as the state of Texas is. Uh, our trauma service area, as you know, has 968,000 people in it. Trauma service area E, yeah, the Dallas-Fort Worth area has 8 million people in it. So it is a way of designating areas so that the state can better handle disease surveillance. And so our TSA has nine, 19 counties. 19 counties. Um, and when we say an area of high hospitalization and we put out those numbers, we're talking about the entire TSA we're not talking about just Henderson County. So when we say, wow, we broke 500 hospitalized, we're talking about that TSA area, right. not that there are 500 people hospitalized in Athens. That is correct. And when you look at the numbers, the TSA, as of yesterday, had 3,090 available staffed beds 
for the calculation that is done daily to get that percentage. Now, we have tracked the swings in what you had available beds through this time, and we have at a low in our TSA had 2,718 beds, and at the highest mark was 3,425. That was reported to the state. So you have that swing of available beds, and uh, we in TSAG have been extremely fortunate that back during the summer we had a um, two floors with uh, Mother Fran- uh, Christus Mother Francis come online that added 48 intensive care beds to the system, which as I, I was remembering back, they said that we should be okay until November. And that's when you look at the track, that's what will follow. Okay. So this is an important thing for people to understand. And some people have kind of asked a question about this or, or pointed it out. The number of beds, it's the number of staffed beds. Right. And that fluctuates. How does that fluctuate? Well, if you had, let's say we had, you know, Mercy Hospital, we're making mm-hmm. one up. And there are 100 beds in that hospital. If I have two nurses on duty, maybe I only have 20 available staff beds. That's correct. If I have four nurses on duty, I now have 40 staff beds. That's right. It's not the number of beds in the hospital. Right. It's the number of staffed beds that are available. And what's important here is... Okay, where are where are the nurses? Where are the doctors? Right. Where are the ER doctors? Where are the extra help coming in? Because I know that uh, our TSA had put in for emergency help, emergency mm-hmm. personnel to come into our area because of COVID, and we had gotten some extra personnel we from around the state, but that's a limited. That that's a limited resource. It is. When you look back earlier during the pandemic, um, South Texas in uh, the Brownsville area, which is um, TS TSA. Excuse me. Uh, sorry for the pause, folks. Uh, TSAV. They had at that time nearly two thousand patients, and it's a very similar to our TSA. They didn't have enough staff. To meet that, and so the state responded not only with um, emergency emergency response of medical providers, the National Guard. They set up hospi- um, tent hospitals. It is a re- it is a reaction force, which incidentally has currently been going on out in El Paso, Abilene, Lubbock, those areas of the same thing. So um, nowhere other than your metropolitan areas, is that capacity available? So the staffing is the key component. There's not enough health care workers to adequately staff beds in the face of this onslaught. Well, and we go all the way back to the beginning, and we talk about things like flatten the curve. Yeah, this exactly. is what we were talking about back then. And that's why the 15% is so important. Mm -hmm. And so Henderson County, not Henderson County itself, but Henderson, the TSA that includes Henderson County. I have to keep on writing it that way so I can like try to write it correctly. It's the TSA that includes Henderson County Mm -hmm. has hit 15% for seven days, which triggers that drawback that you talked about. Um, not only if we have 15%, because our TSA has brought in extra personnel mm-hmm. and has upped the number of staffed beds. Right. The reason the percentage went up and stayed up is because hospitalizations have absolutely climbed. They have. When you look at the chart, you know, our height back when everyone was very, very concerned when everyone had their attention. Our high for our TSA was 272, and that was in in July. And now today, as of yesterday, we have 510 hospitalizations. And our and our high was earlier this week at five or late last week with 524. 
Exactly. And if you look at that even further, when we had the dip, um, it was last Tuesday that, you know, you put the report I out. I did. We that, went down to 440. I was 440. like, we're, we're, we're golden. This is the lowest we've been since November. We're going down. Well, in the span of five days, there were 84 additional individuals put in wow. the hospital after after we had that great talk about sure. it, um that's how quick it can swing and it's this is a virus you know we can argue all day long about testing you know oh the probables this the counting of that these individuals that are reported in the hospital have tested positive for covid-19 then this is why you and I, and this has been months of you and I giving mm-hmm. COVID updates and talking about it. And um, um, we've gotten to the point where sometimes we talk about the rolling average and where we're at mm-hmm. there. But 90% of the time, the only metric we're really looking at anymore is the number of hospitalizations because it gives the best indicator of what's actually happening in our region. Right. You and I fell on that early during all of this. Yeah. You know, we were ahead of the governor on it because there was no way to compare TSA to TSA, county to county, or any of that. And we fell upon the fact that if they're in the hospital, they've tested positive, we can rely on that. Right. We're not going to rely on um, confirmed PCR tests that the machine may be turned too high up on. Right. Or probable tests. Did they right. get a good swab? Or, or, or if you've now retested me to see if I still have COVID, mm-hmm. does that count as another positive test? And exactly. Who it, knows? It doesn't matter right. if they have counted Five or fifteen or one test on one individual. Right. We don't care. Right. We are talking about Hosp- hospitalization. What we can tell you in hospitalizations, I don't know anything about <laughs> all the like how hard it was to get testing back in July or this is what I can tell you. There are twice as many people in the hospital right now than were in July during the first wave. Exactly. We can tell you that absolutely. Yeah. And I bet you, and you've said this many times, the difference now is we're more than likely going to know someone who has passed. Right. I said the first time around you would know. Everybody knew someone who had COVID the first Mm -hmm. time around. This time around, everybody knows someone who's been hospitalized because of COVID or who has passed away because of COVID. And I think that's one of the reasons I've talked about it with you when I look the – like you know, uh, we're Texans. Mm-hmm. We're never going to go around and say, "Boy, I love this mask." <laughs> but I rang the bell out in front of Walmart, and most of the people were masked up. And I've been in a lot of places, and and uh, anecdotally, when I post about COVID now. The number of people who are yelling, ah, sheep, and doing all that right. are getting less and less and less. And I think that's because more people are knowing someone who passed away right. or was really, really sick. Uh, one of the problems with this whole TSA thing, though, mm-hmm. and I understand this, you know, our people really want to know what's going on at the hospital in Athens, what's actually happening here in Henderson County, and those numbers are not available publicly, correct? Right, right. I mean, with the all of the focus being through the TSA portion of it, that's what's driving everything. But I can tell you locally from what reports we have gotten, our hospital has stayed steady. They have staffed up. They've requested some help, but we have stayed steady in hospitalizations between 20 and 25. That is where it has flooded. As hospitalized at, with COVID-19. As hospitalized with COVID-19. And now understand, we have a limited space of intensive care. Right. We have, It's very limited. There's 10 spots there. But not every individual that is hospitalized has to be in an intensive care sure. setting. Sure. And, yes, when the system is loaded, you know, we talked about don't overwhelm the system. 
living in rural Texas, these hospitals, hospital systems rely on being able to transfer out those critical patients. And that's what they're talking about when the population or the census of COVID gets so high that you can't transfer the critical patients to larger facilities that have the space, that's when it becomes an issue. Thankfully, I've heard of only one time that we were limited on being able to transfer out, but I have, that's been several weeks ago. So um, our hospital is doing a fantastic job. Those individuals there <laughs> that live here among us are killing themselves in that setting, trying to help these people and not bring it home and give it to their families. Um, one of the other things I know we've talked about, and this was a few weeks ago, but um, they have limited surgeries that are necessary. Mm-hmm. Those elective surgeries have been eliminated or uh, have been limited or eliminated right. at uh, our hospital in Athens because of the number of COVID patients. Right, and and that was a proactive step that they took because if you go back into the beginning, the governor shut all elective surgeries right. down for a period of time. Well, in this step, so that the hospitals could be ready for a surge, they didn't have to have the governor do it. They took proactive measures saying, okay, we're not going to take this um, – the skin tag off your hand today, we're going to wait a little while. Something that is non-life-threatening. Um, but if you have a um, situation where you need procedures that are um, life-extending or something that it's not elective, it's not critical, but it is definitely needed, those type of things are still able to be done. Right. It's all in an attempt to preserve the capability to respond to COVID-19. And one of the things that we're really worried about there is our personnel and our medical personnel. Yes, sir. Which is how come uh, the very first wave of vaccines, which have come in yes. in the last two weeks, uh, the first week actually came in and went to um, UT Health in Tyler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this past week, uh, we got reports that the Moderna vaccine has come into uh, various locations here and actually come here to Henderson County. I think we had like 800 uh, doses. Uh, but those have not actually, We, you and I have talked several times, uh, not on the podcast, trying to figure out exactly, okay, so what's the routine for these vaccines to be given out? And I think that mainly those are going to medical personnel, first responders, mm-hmm. um, people like that. And so that's how come we haven't heard anything publicly yet. Right. You know, with the, the Pfizer vaccine, we've all heard how it has to have the super cooling capabilities. So that is very limiting on the dispersal of it and the actual number of doses being available. The Moderna can be handled much easier and is intended to be, from my understanding, that vaccine that can be taken to um, nursing homes, that these these individuals that are very, very vulnerable have the underlying um, or accompanying morbidities, things like that. So it, it's a twofold. It's, it's one-two punch as far as vaccines go. There's even a couple of more that are on, on their way coming right. that are um, not the, R, the RA messenger but are more traditional vaccine. Well, what we can say for sure is vaccine is starting to find its way into Henderson County. It is. Um, on the DSHS map, they have a, um, a little thing that they call the, um, the vaccine dashboard. And according to it, there have been 27 individuals that have received that first additional dose because the Pfizer, and I also believe Moderna, but I know specifically Pfizer vaccine requires two, two inoculations, two and I believe 21 or 28 days apart. Yeah. And um, we are getting it. and yeah. We're it definitely getting it. Now, I don't know, uh, and please, you know, don't, don't tell... Don't tell DSHS, but 
I'm not sure how much I trust those numbers right now. <laughs> you, you and me both. Yeah. And that goes back to the heart of the whole issue. The entire disease yeah. surveillance system sure. in the United States and even worldwide has been overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Yeah. and crushed. Because think back, folks. You individuals, Mike, you and me both, we grew up in a time of vaccination you know, yeah, we got a vaccination to go through school, but you didn't know people that had suffered from polio no, or all of I these didn't. different things. No, no. no. no you no, know, no. and we became accustomed to, you know, just our little golden, golden world. Sure. And now that it's all been just a tidal wave dumped on us, not only have they been overwhelmed, we as a community and as a society are going, what? Yeah. And and because they're overwhelmed, the numbers don't jihaw. Everybody. The, that's <laughs> why we use hospitalizations. That's right. That's why we use hospitalizations. <laughs> All right, last thing, and then we're going to move on. But yeah, when we talk about that, and I think it's really important because I think it's sometimes people look at these numbers and they say, you know, this doesn't make sense. And by the way, they're right. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't. Um, and they say this doesn't make sense. Somebody must be lying. Right. Not necessarily. Right. Let's look at just net health. Mm-hmm. Net health is a public health agency. It is effectively Henderson County's public health department. It is. Which and- you share with other counties in order right. to lower costs. Net health in a normal year handles about 300 reportable diseases a quarter. Right. Now they're at 6,000. Right. And so going from 300 to 6,000, I think the average person could see how overwhelming that would be. Yeah. How do you staff up? How do you even staff that up? Because you're in the middle of just trying to handle it and figure it out. It's not like you can bring people in and train. You don't even know what you're training. Because I could see myself back in the, back in the eighties, nineties going, Hey mom, dad, I think I want to be an epidemiologist. You, they don't just come. Yeah, <laughs> they, don't, they don't. They don't fall off the turnip. <laughs> they truck. don't. Yeah, that doesn't. That 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 does not happen. Um, and I do remember at one point the um, governor said we're going to take the AgriLife Extension agents, mm-hmm. and we're going to take like I think it was half of them, right? And they were going to do contact track, tack track, that yeah, contact tack. tracing, right? And um, that is a great idea that never really did much because it became almost impossible. When the numbers got so big, right. it, it, you started finding out, oh, well, Johnny had COVID, but he gave the wrong phone number or he lied about where he was living. Exactly. And, you know, the using the AgriLife agents in rural Texas, fantastic idea. You know, because sure. because there's not a lot of infrastructure out there. And you know what? In in some of those counties where there's 500 people or even 5,000 people, good chance is is that the ag agent knows, knows most of the people in that county. Exactly. And, again, it goes back to the discussion I said before. Our county, population-wise, sits about... 50th largest out of 254 counties. There are 204 counties in the state of Texas smaller than us. Yeah, that's just crazy. <laughs> that's just crazy. All right, let's move on. Let's move on because we want to talk about other counties. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, before we get started, folks, I'm going to let you know that the county judge has a history with this next issue, this next item. Um, and he's really... Um, how would you put it? A little aggravated? Yes, uh, I have been involved or been associated with some of the issues here since October 3rd of 1994. All right. That was my hire date in Henderson County when I walked in mm-hmm. as a road hand for Commissioner Harold Hammer in, <laughs> in Precinct 2. Perfect. All right, so let me explain to you folks. Let me break it. Let me, let me give you the overview, and then we're going to let – the judge break it down for us. So there is, like everywhere else, we have a border between Henderson County and Kaufman County, the county line between Henderson County and Kaufman County. And in uh, an area around North Kemp, 
on the west side of Cedar Creek Lake, there is a small spot. Now, when you see Henderson County and someone like draws Henderson County or whatever, it looks like that top line is perfectly straight all the way across. But if you look close, there's a small notch right in the North Kemp area. That notch, in reality, is about uh, 500 foot deep by about a mile and a half wide. We're talking a couple of square miles. And apparently it's a problem for Kaufman County because last week the Kaufman County Court issued a proclamation saying that we're going to change the county line. Yes. And I guess they, the idea that they could change the county line unilaterally is not one you agree with. No, I, I agree completely with the statement you just made. <laughs> That's probably the nicest way it can be put, given the um, the blood, sweat, and tears, honestly, that I, that I have actually put into this issue even before being elected. Um, there is an issue up there, as you said, with what is referred to as the notch. And it has been a notch um, in deed records um, since the 1800s. Um, it follows the same long line with all of our records. Uh, individuals that own property in that area are um, titled in Kaufman County. It has been widely accepted for many years. And this disagreement has lingered longer than I have been with the county, um, but it is being brought to the head now uh, based upon actions that was taken years and years ago when counties were given an opportunity to create a county roadmap. And it, that was the second time in my time with the county that it had flared up, and basically Kaufman County said, that's not ours, this is why, you're going to take it. And um, they left it off their official roadmap. Okay, well let's 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 hit some of the details here so people can follow <laughs> along. We're in the 1990s. Yes, and you are a, not a commissioner, but a, uh, a precinct employee. A precinct employee at that time, where we worked precinct two, Henderson County. Harold Hammer was the commissioner. Precinct four, Kaufman County. Uh, Jerry Brewer was the commissioner, and Henderson County and Kaufman County worked together on the boundary line, which at, this is the road. This is much a bigger issue than just the road. Right. But I can tell you at that time that myself physically worked with Kaufman County employees rebuilding that road, and Kaufman County had one section of the road, and Henderson County had the other section of the road. Right in the notch. Right in the notch. You right. take half the notch, we'll take the other half as far as road maintenance-wise. Sure. Nothing about the extended issues of who, where's the ti the property titled, where right. is all, all of those things. We're not getting That really right, are the right. big where issues. The, where the people who live inside the notch uh, right. register to vote or any of that kind exactly. of stuff. Exactly. Where they pay taxes. But at that point in the 90s, you're, you're go ahead and you are an employee and you're working and you and the Henderson and the Kaufman County people are like, okay, that's the line. We're taking care of this side. You take care right. of that side. Everybody's happy. And then the state says to counties, we're giving you the option. What we want to do is we're going to have some time here. And during this time period, we want you to create an official county roadmap. Yes. Now, when's this? Uh, this is the mid-2000s. This is 2005, 2006, okay, so, somewhere right in there. So, so 2000, <laughs> early 2000s, make the map. And by now, there's a different commissioner Yes. In that area. Yes. It's Precinct 4? Uh, yes, Precinct 4, Kaufman County. Okay, that so was Commissioner Jim Deller. Okay. And so we're going to go ahead and make our maps. And Henderson County makes its map. Kaufman County makes its map. Henderson County did not oh. make a map. It was optional. Oh, it was optional. It was optional. Okay, so Kaufman right. County makes a map. Yes. And what did Commissioner Diller do? Commissioner Deller's position was at that time was that through his uh, – 
investigation that this is not a Kaufman County road. And he and Commissioner Hall, Commissioner Joe Hall at that time, because we had had redistricting, that area was no longer in Henderson County Precinct 2, but it was passed to Henderson County Precinct 1. So we have two different things. Sure. But by that time, I had become commissioner of Precinct 2, so I was still involved. Back to the story. <laughs> commissioner Deller uh, and Commissioner Hall met upon this, and they had opposing opinions. And it went on that no resolution was met. But what Kaufman County did was that they did not officially take what is registered as County Road 4404, Kaufman County Road 4404, and put it on their official map. And once that official map was created, it became the item that is used to prove up that you are spending money on county roads. So the argument in Kaufman County is that's not a county road. It's not on the official map now that we are almost 15 years past. Okay. We started this with <laughs> the notch has been around since the 1800s. Yes. Okay. What is Kaufman County's legal position on why the notch shouldn't exist? Their legal position is based upon that in the meets and bounds that they have been able to find is that the county line is straight and not and doesn't recognize the notch. Okay, well, I'm, I'm assuming, and that could get me in trouble, but I am guessing because of the way that you're saying this, that the Henderson County has meets and bounds that yes. show the notch. Yes, that is correct. That is what all of our appraisal districts go by. So why why not just, I mean, it seems to me like this should be an easy one. Look, here's the meets and bounds that show the notch. Exactly. But they do, they now go back to the reason driving it. They, at the time, Kaufman County, did not want that road that is sparsely populated way off. Remember we talk about the rural, urban, densely populated versus the other? There's not a lot of votes down there. And every time I have to direct funding to this area, it doesn't give me quite the same return as somewhere else. Well, let me ask and, of course, I am throwing my opinion into that, but, but I spent five years as a county commissioner. Yeah. Let me, oh, excuse me, five terms. Let me ask you a simple question. Yes. What, what's the state sign say? The, when you go to the GLO website and pull up their map, there's the notch. Okay, so the state recognizes the notch. The state does on their mapping. Yeah. But they speak it out of both sides of their mouth. No, not well, the state. Well, when Come I say, when I say this, when you look at the law, yeah, specifically in these disputes, the GLO, when you have a dispute like that, cannot make a rendering, but must rely upon a district court's ruling. Oh, got it. Okay. So, all right. So, what we're saying is. That the state mm -hmm. recognizes that the notch is there, but the state is not going to take a position between Henderson County and Kaufman County about the fact that the notch is there. That is correct. So the state is saying, hey, you got to have a judge do that. We can't do that. They are not saying that. Okay. They will direct you to that there are avenues to solve yeah, this I resolution. Sure, sure, and sure. basically there is the two counties can agree to do a new survey and share the expense and all of that's involved with a, with that. And if they, through a joint resolution, mind you, both counties jointly yeah. agreeing to do this, and you can resolve it that way. But if you cannot meet resolution, then the next step is for district court in a county that is not affected by the dispute. Okay. So it sounds like this has gone on long enough that you know the absolute steps that, like, if Kaufman County really wants to be that neighbor that says, your fence is three inches on my property. Mm-hmm. 
we know exactly the steps to take to be able to do something about it. That is correct. Now, is passing a resolution by the Kaufman County Commissioners saying, hey, we're going to do this, is that part of that process? No, it is not. In that resolution, incidentally, that resolution was passed on November 24th. Um, the county judge dated a letter December 4th, and it did not reach us until December the 21st. And it says that January 1st of 2021, the Kaufman County line is here. And then in that, re- in, in the letter, they ordered all effective entities, text dot, you run down the list, our, our, even our own appraisal district, our own elections administration office to take steps and to correct all of all of the associated issues that were going on. They just said, you shall. Well, that doesn't that they don't have the authority to do that. I'm, I'm sure you appreciated the uh, Kaufman County government telling our departments what they were supposed to do. Well, I'm sure that their defense will be that, uh, well, we had two meetings about this. And we did. We had one in my office not long after I took office as county judge, and they were greatly surprised at the knowledge that I, that this newly elected individual had about this very situation. And then myself and um, County Attorney Clint Davis and Commissioner uh, Scotty Thomas, we went to Kaufman County and had a meeting with them. And they know the steps to take. But they have chosen not to follow the steps and to just make an arbitrary demand, thinking that we would just accept it and go on. Well, from from the way you're speaking, I'm going. To I'm ass- mad. <laughs> I'm going to assume that um, accepting it and moving on is not going to be the response. No, and, and also at the time um, with uh, Scotty Thomas's. Re- uh, Commissioner Thomas's retirement, you know, here we have a brand new commissioner coming in, Miss um, uh, Wendy Spivey, that is coming in, fresh, flat-footed, and tries to get hit with something like this. Oh, the timing is just wonderful. And right at Christmas, you know, you have eight days to respond to all of this and hoping that we would miss it, overlook it, or someone wouldn't have enough knowledge. Well, you weren't even supposed to have another commissioner's court meeting right right we were not having we were on our merry way but when we got this letter uh monday of this week um it is very important that we state our position get on the record and start taking steps to um bring this to a resolution so there will be another commissioner's court meeting on tuesday tuesday um it won't be at our regular time um we're going to it'll be a special meeting but we will be televising it on our youtube channel at henderson county admin if anyone would like to watch what time uh one o'clock so one o'clock tuesday one o'clock tuesday uh henderson county admin mm-hmm. at youtube at youtube um you guys you uh actually live stream all of your meetings now and they're there on the YouTube channel afterwards. Uh, and, uh, actually the, the count, the commissioner's courtroom has been wired up really nicely. It does a, it does actually a great job of recording. Um, but yeah, so, uh, we'll be watching for that to see your reaction to the fact that apparently, Kaufman County doesn't like the notch and wants the notch to go away. And the upshot of this would be that Henderson County would have to take on that road, would have to take on um, all of the people that live in that area. They would become Henderson County voters. I All of that land has to be titled to, to yeah. Kaufman County. Right. So who would then be – who would then pay for retitling all of that land? The law speaks of the shared expenses to do to do this step if if you agree and it is warranted. Um, what we have here is that not only is it the expense of all of the records from the county clerk's offices, 
all of the tax office information, all of the appraisal district information, all of the voter information. Not just that, but what you have is that this has to be done in eight days. Yeah. Eight days. and But that's just according that's to n- them. That's not even notifying the people that are affected. Right. Are you just going to arbitrarily do something? And what about those people that are required to live in Kaufman County? Yeah. And just by a stroke, you you are in now in a different county and in trouble. You know, um, now what you're talking about is that, um, probation, things exactly. like that. Um, and that affects more people than you would think. Right. Exactly. And this has a great impact. The road is not really the issue. It is something that I am very familiar with because it lends to the discussion, but this is so much larger than the road and to just arbitrarily go, this is what we're going to do. Even though it's, they can't do it. It just shows a lack of compassion or even being a good neighbor. Right. Ooh. Wow. Okay. We're going to drop that one. <laughs> uh, so. Okay. I mean, it, it makes sense. That I'm trying to wrap my head around this situation because, you know, here's the thing. There are, I am assuming it's not a big area. So no, it's, it's not, not it's not a lot of people. No. We don't know exactly how many people. Right. But which is part of the problem. You're going to make this move. I don't I can't even tell you how many people live there. Right. Um but there are people there so you're dealing with their actual lives. Exactly. Like okay, um so is the tax rate the same? Are they going to pay more taxes? Are they going to pay less taxes? Right. Are are there you know what 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 kind of changes do this make? Now they're going to be in a different county. Yeah. They have to change their voter registration. Yeah. They have to change. Like you said, what if they have a certain probation oh ruling? Have they been now disenfranchised because they were taking the census that we just completed as Kaufman County residents? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I sure. mean, th- th- no. This There's is, a lot of little things. This is not about the maintenance of a road. In Henderson County's mind. I don't know what's in Kaufman County's mind, but this is not about the maintenance of the road. We can build a half-mile road with our eyes closed. Sure. This is about the impact upon the constituency. All right. So, you, one (laughs) o'clock. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm from a political standpoint. I would assume that the move is uh, basically the political and correct way to put all the things in maybe proclamation form and all that. But to say, Kaufman County, no. Right. What's the step after that, though? I mean, what is this? Is this something? I mean, do considering what Kaufman County has done, they have passed a resolution. They have. It's it's a done deal. It's a real thing. They right. passed the resolution from their commissioner's court. Is this something? Do we need to get? Do we? Does the Henderson County need to get a district judge involved to to do an injunction or anything like that? Given the fact that Kaufman County does not have the authority to arbitrarily decree this on the fact of their resolution, it is not a actual injunction needs to be filed today. Because they don't have the authority. They don't have the authority to. But they got to know that. They have been. We have documentation from their own attorneys from the discussions we've had previously that lays out the fact that if you can't agree on the terms and getting a a survey done and all this other steps, then that is the next course, is the district courtroom. So, so they know mm-hmm. from their own attorneys, yes, what the process is and that the step they took isn't it. Yes, and I have. From 2007, their original boy, uh, April the 17th of 2007 is what's written on it in my hand, and it lays it out to them. And at that point in time, it was directed to the county judge at that point, which is a good friend of mine, uh, Judge Wayne Gent is yeah. his name. Um, 
it's uh, it lays it out for them. And since then, there have been multiple directions given on how to do this. So, what is the what's the end game for them? I mean, what are they hoping to accomplish with something with a move like this that they have to know has no teeth? I don't know. That's just flat it. That's why we were caught broadside with this of, wow, this this is not how we all know it's supposed to play out. And only reason I can see that after the legal direction that has been given from documentation that I have, that they would do this is hoping that we would just go, oh, okay. All right. Well, we know that the uh, <laughs> Henderson County Commissioner's Court will have a special meeting next uh, Tuesday at 1 o'clock that you can watch uh, on the Henderson County Admin channel on YouTube and see exactly how they say no. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on. Some folks say no is Commissioner's Court's favorite word, but in, in this case, in this case, I think that uh, it is certainly um, I am the ho- right I, answer. I am hoping that the court, because um, we do have a relatively um, time on the court, and we have relatively a young court. Yes. And, and there's a lot of information that needs to be given to them because of just how long this has gone on. So sure. I'm going to encourage um, the commissioners to join in my um, hmm, I'm a disdain for this move. You disdain. Know. <laughs> With the term disdain, we are going to move on and say that this past week's commissioner's court was supposed to be. The last commissioner's right, court meeting right. of the year. And so you took a very nice photo uh, that I'm going to actually put with the post for the uh, podcast. A very, very nice photo of you guys at the end of the year because you're going to be saying goodbye to one of them. Yes, we are. Um, commissioner Scotty Thomas comes to the end of this term. And if many of you remember, um, Commissioner Thomas completed one term and then decided not to run. And Commissioner Hayes came in and took over for him. And, of course, we know that um, in his time in office, he passed shortly before completing two years of that of hit that term. And um, Commissioner Thomas was gracious enough to come back and commission, I'm sorry, um, County Judge Richard Sanders appointed him to fill out Commissioner Ken Hayes' term as Commissioner of Precinct 1, and uh, he is completing that now and is retiring <laughs> again. <laughs> and I see, and you know, you're, you're working so, so hard to um, make sure to be, to, to pay the respect that he's due and say Commissioner uh, uh, Thomas, but anybody who knows Commissioner Thomas has always known him as Scotty. And he is just one of the nicest, friendliest guys um, there is around. And, you know, I don't think he's ever met a stranger. No, uh, he hasn't. And Scotty is a people person. He is definitely a people person. And he truly has a heart for people. You know, it's become a cliche. Oh, you have a heart for the community. No, Scotty's got a heart for people. Yeah. He, he does. He, he is well-known and a um, mainstay mm-hmm. of the Crossroads community, and Scotty Thomas is one of the good guys for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that he came back to serve out those, those last two years mm-hmm. when uh, he was definitely ready to move on. But he right. came and did what he um, – he saw as his duty to the people of Precinct 1. Yeah, and, you know, and specifically during this pandemic, um, as I said, our court is relatively um, young as far as experience on the court. And to have Scotty come in and to help lead lead his, um, lend us his experience, it helped in the leadership of organizing helping to get everyone organized in response to the pandemic. Sure. Everybody else on the court is in their first term. Yes. Other than you. 
Yes. And you're in your first term as, as, county, as judge. county judge. That's right. So. And um, Scotty, being, Scotty knowing that um, we all can't meet, we all can't have all the information because that's a violation of um, Open Meetings Act. Right. So Scotty helped be a liaison with the commissioners so that we could keep everybody informed, knowing exactly what was happening without Breaking some type of sure. rule that you know it's we can't just pick up the phone and and talk to everyone. It has to be done properly, Correct. even during times of emergency. No, it, absolutely. And, you and, might have some pain in the butt reporter who <laughs> poking you say, "Oh wait, time out." We call that a walking quorum, and you yeah. can't do that. <laughs> I remember that one time. I'm gonna bring it up. Uh, me and a, a, a Kaufman County commissioner met in Kemp, and I had um, one of my um, employees at Precinct Two, and you called me. Why are three commissioners meeting at the Dairy Queen in Kaufman? <laughs> so, well, that's the way, that's the way I heard it. It's the way I heard it. I heard there were secret meetings going on right, in, know, in, in um, camp. And, 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 but, but that's it. I mean, yeah, that's actually it. We are doing the business of the public. Yeah. And whenever you're doing the business of the public, it has to be transparent. And having that experience that Scotty brought helped us, especially in the beginning, so hard. And we're going to miss him. Um, he, he told a story in court about, and Judge Sanders used to have to call me and Scotty down because we were picking at each other. He's a good friend. When you're on commissioner's court, you develop these friendships. And I, I have been so blessed to have so many fellow commissioners as friends and judges. Um, it is a family, and Scotty is going to be sorely missed, but we wish him the best. All right. So this is our last podcast for the year. Yeah. Um, two days till Christmas and then yes, New sir. Year's next year. And, uh, we can say goodbye to 2020 in our rearview mirror. Have you ever been, uh, so happy to see a year in, in, in the past? Yeah. You know, the old saying was don't wish your life away. Yeah. But I am so ready for 2020 I to be over. So I, I really am. I am so thankful that we live where we live. I am thankful that we have this time of year to reflect and to enjoy Christmas, to enjoy our families. Please remember, take care of your families during this time that we've got going on. The big three. Yes, sir. All right. Before we go. Yeah. Next week, New Year's. Mm-hmm. Got any resolutions planned? Honestly, um, no. <laughs> right now, I need all the vices that I currently have in so many of these. <laughs> next year, next year, the resolution is to have more vices. No, no, no. We're going to have more fun next year. Right now, I need all the vices that I have. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. um, we need to keep, we need to keep things. I, t- I tell you what, I do have a resolution. I do have a resolution that, um, I will cling to my faith Amen. tighter and harder and try to remember that we're all human and we're all fallible and that there is redemption for us. And that's my resolution. The, um, the message of the cross is grace. Yeah. And, um, we should do more to pass that grace on to those around us. Beautiful. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up, Judge. Thank you for everything uh, this whole year with the podcast and giving us a chance to uh, take a peek behind the curtain of county government. Uh, we look forward to seeing you um, the first week of January. Merry Christmas, Michael. Merry Christmas, Judge. Merry Christmas, Judge.